You are now listening to High Five the Podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff too. Now let's join our hosts Q and J as they broadcast live from the writer's room. The show starts in one... Yeah. Like, totally, there is a nude woman in a window. You're talking about the picture on the wall. It's like on a calendar or something. In no, no, the, they're flying. In, in the birds. They're flying by um, apartment buildings. No, no, they're flying by apartment buildings. And in one of the windows, they have a Playboy picture posted in the window. No. No, that's totally true because I read into it and one of the animators legitimately did it as a joke and he put it in a single frame and you can find it but it is a centerfold from playboy small size down put in a window so it's a woman nude standing in a window in the rescuers not rescuers down under the first one yeah i'm i think you're thinking of the the one that's on the wall in the birds like house but no i did whatever. a lot of i did a lot of research on these okay, disney fine. boobs okay fine uh no so no it's there uh, and uh, it was a real thing and i'm recording by the way so we've we have begun oh damn <laughs> <laughs> now i am in the control seat i didn't like any of that no but that's the thing is it's just natural as we're talking disney we're talking boobs it's gonna be great so uh for everyone listening we are joined here in the writer's room I am your host for tonight, Jay. I have full power because right now Q is doing his weekly session of leading a suicide prevention hotline for lemmings. And he, <laughs> he, he takes it very seriously, but he was not able to be here tonight. And because we were talking Disney, I decided to bring in the quintessential Disney expert in my life, the beautiful, wondrous A. Say hello to everybody, A. Hello. Awesome. That was a great hello. This is your first like podcast hello. It's my first one ever, yeah. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, okay. So the rescuer's myth, that's a totally true one. There okay. is a naked woman in a window, and you can look at I would encourage I really, everybody I, to look it yeah, up. Yeah, I think you're going to have to prove that to me. Okay, we, we'll look up boobs online after the podcast. Okay. That's totally something we can do. Yeah. But I mean, so the other myths, you know, like we're talking about like Aladdin, the, the myth that Aladdin whispers, take off your clothes. No, that's false. When, yes, totally, completely fake. But a lot of people believe that it happened. A lot of people believe it. Um, there's also uh, the word sex spelled out when Mufa, uh, when Simba lands on all the... It is the, also false. The weeds? Yes, it's uh, SFX. For special effects. Special effects. But, okay, in the defense of conspiracy theor- Disney conspiracy theorists out there, that looks a whole lot like sex. You're missing one no, that's line fair. That's fair. on an F. It definitely looks wrong. Bad, bad planning. Absolutely. Um, also, a, uh, a another myth, uh, one of the puppies in 101 Dalmatians was drawn with a red rocket. Huge erection. That's just ridiculous. Yes, that is something I just made up a second ago. Um, but the, I mean, the, there's there's lots of there's lots of the myths. You know, the 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 priest having the erection in Little Mermaid. False. Uh, yes, uh, but 
What's not false is there's a huge wang on the cover of the Little Mermaid box in the castle. No, that's totally true. That is totally true. It is a veiny, veiny dick. It is a veiny, veiny dick, and I have it. You, I have the original. You have the veiny dick? <laughs> you have a huge veiny dick. I do. Um, being uh, married I do. to you, that comes as a surprise to well, me. Well, you know, uh, it's too late we, now. <laughs> we, had a, we had a kid. That's weird. It's weird the, how that worked. Yeah, you never pay attention. I uh, know. Um, there, uh, there is a myth that Jessica Rabbit shows her bush in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. When she gets thrown out of the car, and she's you know, I've around. only seen that movie like two times, so I don't know. You've only seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit two times. Yeah, that that's is unfortunate. Well, okay, I was, I didn't like it as a child. I don't what? know what I don't. I don't know. Well, okay, but when they kill the shoe, that emotionally scarred me <laughs> that's for life. Okay, movie. that really did. It scarred me for life because he's scared and he's crying and he's like a baby shoe he's like a baby shoe and they put him in this acid and he's dead and that just messed me up man it's, it's i not, can't it's not acid it's the dip whatever i i don't even care and like i just can't horrible. even to this day as an adult like thinking about it i get upset i can't do it, it it's is just a, it's so fucked up it i can't it is an upsetting scene for Sure. I can't. I can't get beyond that. And I know that that's such a minuscule thing that happens in that entire movie. But I just. I can't get past that. I can't. It just. It hurt me. I don't. I mean. I would. I would not call it a minuscule thing that happens in that movie. It's a pretty pivotal plot point. Like. Well, I know, but it, I'm talking about like in the scale difference. of the movie that lasts like what fifteen to twenty seconds it lasts of the a story. Lifetime in your heart. It does. It does. It I can't let it go. Forever. Like I need to get a tattoo of that shoe over my heart because I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot watch that movie. I'd be willing to bet someone has a tattoo of that shoe somewhere <laughs> in the world. Someone has a tattoo of that shoe in like R.I.P. shoe. <laughs> it just says R.I.P. shoe below it. Um, that totally. I would. I would bet you a million dollars that maybe not the R.I.P. shoe part, mm -hmm. but that's the part I would want. Mm -hmm. That was just R.I.P. shoe. Yeah. And people would be like, what? Like, did you really like shoes as a kid? I'd be like, no, just the shoe from. Whatever. Um, <laughs> some other myths that I've read about or possibly made up on the spot. Uh, in the Great Mouse Detective, one of the animators secretly used his own semen to produce smoky, milky texture for Radigan's cigars. That's ridiculous. But it, it, it could be true. Though. No, but it's not true. But it could, it could be true. Well, it's not, right? though. No. Right? No. Right? No. Um, what about, oh, okay, what about this? The Emperor's New Groove. After the bridge collapses... You can see the word damn spelled out in the broken woods. No. That is actually true. No. Yes, it is. Oh, that come is on. true. We can watch the movie and we'll freeze frame in that scene, but that is a real thing that happens in that movie. Um, also, uh, Cliff Edwards, the voice of Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio. You know Jiminy Cricket. You like Pinocchio. Yes. You like it a whole lot. Yes. Um, there is a rumor that he liked to sneak into the sound booth at night and masturbate furiously to get himself into character. I'm going to be honest. If I was a voice in a Disney movie, I would also masturbate in one of their sound booths. <laughs> just, just furiously. <laughs> I mean. To get into character. I mean, it was what? the four, When was Pinocchio made? The 40s? 50s? Oh. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, 30s. Because 30s. it was uh, number two after Snow White. Okay. So, yeah. That could totally happen in the 30s. I made that up on the spot. But that could totally happen mm. in, in the 30s. <laughs> like, tell me it couldn't. 30s Hollywood? That totally could have happened. Yeah, that's right. So, anyway... Wow, we've babbled a whole lot, but <laughs> I think we should get into the Disney, and I think we should talk about it, and I think to get us started, we should high five. Should we high five? Right, let's high five. Let's high five. Should we high five? High five!
High five. High five. High five. High five, son. Woo! High five. Don't let me hang it. All right, and we're back. Okay, so since Q is off massaging elderly wombats, uh, we are here today to talk about Disney, and I could not think of a better person that I'd want to be talking about Disney with than A. You know more about it and put me to shame, and usually I'm the snarky know-it-all one, but when it comes to Disney, I'm left in the lurch when it comes to your passion and your knowledge about it. So, I wanted you to tell me and our multitude of avid listeners, why Disney? Someone asked you that question. Why Disney? Why are you so passionate about it? What do you say? What what makes Disney Disney? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things that just it filled you with joy as a child watching it on the screen. Just watching, you know, um these stories come to life on my screen. I mean, it was just it just gave me so much happiness as a child. Yeah. So I just, you know, I fell in love with it. I think it's one of those things, like for me, when I think of Disney, Disney, it's it's been around just perpetually in the culture in one form or another for longer than we've been alive, longer than our mm-hmm. parents have been alive, and mm-hmm. usually back to like grandparents times. Right. Disney has just always been this cultural landmark. Aside from personal politics and, and whatever, Walt Disney sort of changed the landscape of what animation meant oh, absolutely. to the culture. And it's one of those things, okay, you know when you there's like a food that you really like when you're a kid? Yeah. And like like pixie sticks. <laughs> Let's just take pixie sticks as an example. Mm-hmm. Like kids, you just love pixie sticks. As an adult, you realize like pixie sticks are kind of terrible. <laughs> but because they made such a good impression on you as a kid, yeah. you're like, I can't not like pixie sticks. Like right. there's always that nostalgic factor. Mm-hmm. And while Disney is not crappy when you get older, unlike pixie sticks, it's it has that connection. It, it solidifies and solders itself onto mm-hmm. the souls of children. Right. And just grows up with you. And there's all they're always putting out new movies. There's layers to see for me. That's one of the reasons that I really enjoy Disney movies, and I enjoy rewatching a lot of them with you because it's it's you can see new layers every time. Some every char- single time. Yeah. Yeah. Some characters, you know, have adult stories that are going on, and you're dealing with adult things like Hundred One Dalmatians. Like you truly you don't you don't understand what the parents are going through. When you're a kid, you're just like, oh, there's a lot of dogs in this movie, mm-hmm. and I happen to like dogs. But when you get older, you start to realize, like, man, they've got – I have a bad boss. I have a job that doesn't pay me the money that I need to be paid. I have way too many responsibilities at home. Oh, my God, what if we had 103, <laughs> technically, right. Dalmatians to take care of? Like, this is terrible. And so those different layers really make it – like new experiences every time. And so, you know, Q and I talk a lot on this podcast about movies that can grow with you and that makes them sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I think Disney almost more than any other studio that puts out films, it really captures that. Yeah. So like what, what did you, I know with you being such a big fan, it must've been difficult for you to narrow down to just five. 
Oh, it was ridiculously hard. It took me days. What was your process? How did you get down to five? What, I mean, how many movies do they have? Like 50-something? I wrote a list of every single Disney animated feature film that has ever been created. And I just went through one at a time. Like, I started with, okay, well, not this one, not this one, not this one, and just kind of whittled it down. And then from there, I did a lot of... <laughs> watching scenes on the internet and uh reading backstories behind some of them and just whittled it down from there it took days <laughs> it took days uh it was an emotional roller coaster i mean i just i can't <laughs> i i love my list and i'm gonna stick with it I, I stand behind my list but um how many times have you changed the top five since you selected the top five how many times you change it you know, I think I probably changed it two or three times, but but my final, I'm 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 standing by my final. Okay, okay. I'm standing by my final. I th that's strong. That's that's a good stance to take. You have yeah. to defend your list on the show. Yeah. Or or it's worthless. Well, yeah. Um, now, what were some that were just easy to get rid of? Like when you saw on the list, you're like, no, nah, that's not gonna be on there. Um. What was okay? Let me. I'll I'll pose the question another way. What's the worst Disney movie of all time? Oh. <laughs> That's rough. Uh, probably Home on the Range. I couldn't agree more. That movie. <laughs> I love you, Disney. I love you so much. You like, you me. just don't even know how much I love you, but that movie sucks. And you love, you love Roseanne Barr? I do. I love her. I grew up watching the Roseanne show. I mean, I love that woman. That movie sucked. <laughs> it is, uh, it, it was so good. bad. It is not good. It was so bad. The songs were terrible. Not good. The characters were terrible. Not great. Like it was. It was just bullshit. It was <laughs> it, bullshit. It, it, it's a bullshit it's like I'm sure the people at Disney now look at it and go, "All that money <laughs> wasted. What? what were we thinking? Fucking wasted." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. That's probably. I mean, that's up there for the worst. Like, outside of maybe they're like World War II propaganda shorts. <laughs> like, outside of those, probably the worst. Yeah, it's, it's just, oh, God, it's so bad. Okay, well, now that we've talked about the worst, let's talk about some good ones. So, what were some, you know, I always bring honorable mentions to these lists, and I have a few for this one because it was, mm -hmm. this was tough for me as well. Well, like, what, what do you have that almost made the cut? Okay, I've and got why, three. And why didn't they make? I've got three honorable mentions. Um, my third one uh, is The Great Mouse Detective. That's that awesome. I love The Great Mouse Detective. One, I mean, it's a Sherlock Holmes story uh, to start with. Number two, I love. And and I know that this is such an like an eighties nineties thing, but I love when a bad guy can be a fucking bad guy. Yeah, Radigan and kill people. Radigan is horrifying. Smoke cigars. Yeah. Like his henchmen are fucking terrified of him. Like he's a bad dude. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm down with Ursula and the Little Mermaid. I'm down with you know. I I love the villains that Disney comes up right. with, but Radigan. That is a bad motherfucker, and I love that movie because he's so bad. Well, and I love, one thing I love about Radigan, that's also one of my honorable mentions, just mm -hmm. to put it out there for you. One thing I love about Radigan is that he's a rat with, like, a mouse complex. Yeah, he has a mouse complex. <laughs> he, and he's, but not only a mouse complex, he's a rat 
with a mouse god complex. Yeah. Which is a very weird, mm-hmm. weird position to be in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I love you mentioned it being a Sherlock Holmes story. It takes place in the Sherlock Holmes Universe. universe. It's not just like, yeah. oh, well, these are just animals. Like they yeah. live in the same apartment building yes. as Sherlock does, and and he exists in the movie, and they're just mm-hmm. like a little mouse version. And the trap him. at the end of the movie, what's it? Is it called a Rube's Goldberg? Oh, Rube Goldberg's. Yeah. I, oh. I mean, I just that whole thing with the shotgun. I get, and oh, I get a huge chubby for Rube it's Goldberg. It's such a good movie it, as it is. There was a, a video that I saw online about a week or two ago. Literally five minutes of a Rube Goldberg in real life. That all it does is at the end it turns a page of a newspaper but i watched <laughs> i watched it probably four or five times because it was amazing and this was one an actual rube goldberg that like used chemistry and would drop like potions and chemicals and make it heat up and make mm-hmm. a hamster move across a wheel mm-hmm. like it was awesome and literally all it did at the end was turn the page of a newspaper and i was like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen yeah i mean and he's he's sadistic too because in that rube goldberg he like remember he records a song and has it on the record player and he's just like all cheery and everything during this song. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of songs like the sadistic the Radigan song from that film is yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah he's Radigan. Uh, that's mm-hmm. about all I remember. Of it. But I remember it being very good. Yeah. So that that's a good one. His little bat uh, henchman mm-hmm. is crazy creepy. Mm-hmm. It's super great. Um, now, speaking of bad villains, we're talking about Disney, but I want to sidetrack just a little bit because I think the studio that totally nailed the bad cartoon villain is the Don Bluth studio. Oh, absolutely. When it comes to crazy, sadistic cartoon villains, I think Don Bluth was able to capture that weird underbelly in you know Rats of Nim, which was legitimately all dogs horrifying. go to heaven all the way. All dogs go to heaven. I mean, they, you're dealing with a gangster bad guy. You're dealing with sadistic animals that live in a swamp. You're dealing with the devil. A whole lot of murder. Yeah, a whole lot of murder in yeah. that movie. Don Bluth movies really did not pull their punches, which is which I think is is great. In Fivel's a Don Bluth, isn't it? The American Tales and Five of yeah. Those West, those had some pretty crazy villains and dealt with really, really adult topics. I mean, that first American yeah. Tale is all about immigration. I mean, Trump would have hated it. Yeah. I bet he's talking about that movie with his friends, not letting his kids see him when he's beating them. <laughs> it's on the record. Donald Trump beats his kids. Uh, okay. Okay. That, but, all right, that's a so, good honorable mention. Right, had two honorable more. mention. Okay. My second honorable mention is The Jungle Book. I love The Jungle Book so much, and I struggled with taking this off my top five list. Um, but there were just others that I thought were better. But The Jungle Book, I watched that every day after school yep. when I was a child. When it's I came home, very repeatable. like I just, you know, I did my thing, but I had to watch The Jungle Book every night before I went to bed. And I just, the songs, the characters, everything about it. Um, and it was the last Disney movie that Walt Disney worked on. Yep. I mean, he didn't even get to see it finished. And man, they did a good job. Uh, what did you think of the remake? I, you know, I can always point out faults in, in something with these movies, but honestly, it was really good. It, it was. was really good. I loved the beginning, like when it kind of back pans into the jungle and the camera turns and it's playing the music from the <laughs> from yeah. the Jungle Book, the animated movie, like it's playing that that uh, that composed music that they came yeah. up with, 
And I knew at that moment that this was going to be good. Yeah, Favreau did a good job with that he one. He did a I'm, great I, job. I won't lie. I'm very pleased. I'm curious to see what he does with Lion King. You um, know, I just, I have so much faith in him, but at the same time, I'm just, I just don't think that one's going to work. That's a, I don't see that one working. I'm open to being proven one. wrong. I really am. I, I'm open to it, but right now, I'm just like, oh, I don't see it. You know what I think will help me? Uh, cause I'm, I'm on this exact same side of the fence right now. It's like Favreau's great and he did such a good job with Jungle Book, but the Lion King is just such, such an iconic story. Well, it's and not, so difficult to do in the, in that form. No, it's not even that it's such an iconic story because I mean, it, and it is, uh, I mean, the Lion King, I mean, any kid that grew up in the nineties, like I did, the Lion King changed your life. So, um, it, it's. The Jungle Book had a human element to it, which helps push the movie along. Right. You know, uh, but with an animated film, you don't have to have humans because, you know, the animals are cartoons. But, I mean, to have a live action Lion King film, I mean, you're talking about just all CGI you know, I mean, 100% green screen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just going to be all CGI and green screen and no people, you know? So I, I just, I don't think it's going to have that same, I don't know the word that I'm, yeah, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but I just, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be tough to pull off, but here's what I'm holding out hope for. I think what could sway me to being positive and Looking forward to it is if and when they announce the cast. Yeah, I'm interested to see who he casts. If the voice cast that comes in for it is good, then that could sway me to be like, yeah, okay, I can totally get on board for this. I kind of want him to just bring Jeremy Irons back as Scar because... It could totally work, right? I mean, he's that's just Scar. I mean, he he's still alive. He's still in his prime. He's still very much Jeremy Irons. Yeah. We just saw him at Batman v Superman. Like he is still at the top of his game and could easily come back in and -hmm. just reinvent that character. Yeah. Maybe not even reinvent it. Hell, he could just do the exact same thing. Exactly. And I would be totally fine with it. Um, Yeah. Obviously Jonathan Taylor Thomas is out for young Simba, but the rest, I mean, we could, you could find a good cast for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll see how, how that lands. So that's, that's a, that's a good honorable mention. Yeah. What else? All right. All right. Well, my top one, my number, my number one honorable mention is Sleeping Beauty. Okay. Good one. Um, it took 10 years to make this It's a big one. I mean, it took, if yeah. If you, when you watch that movie, you just have to try to look beyond what's going on, like with the characters, like look at the backdrops, you know, look at the scenery every single cell is hand painted and the the style that they did it in it's just it's just so beautiful it's it's like a moving tapestry yeah honestly is the best way for me to describe this film and it's just so gorgeous and it was such a passion project for the Walt Disney Company and and honestly, too, if you if you go back and watch Sleeping Beauty and you look at the detail in like uh, the cottage and the trees and, right. you know, uh, certain things, you actually and it's documented, I'm pretty sure somewhere uh, the movie Tangled actually yeah. pulls a lot of inspiration from Sleeping Beauty. Hmm, I can see that um, with uh, 
just how they painted certain things and, you know, how she, you know, um, paints on her walls and things like that. The same way that there were kind of uh, floral paintings on the walls in the cottage in Sleeping Beauty. Like, they hmm. pull a lot of similarities. I can um, totally see that. Between the two. Um, but you know the one thing that kind of, it kind of ticks me off about the Sleeping Beauty movie? I love that movie. But Go the, for but, it. Okay, let's but get, the product, the product that comes out from that movie, that shit pisses me off, okay? Because in the movie... Oh, <laughs> no, okay, just just stay with me here. I'm, I'm OK, here. so in the movie, the the fairies fight over whether her dress should be blue or pink. Right. OK. And that was actually like a real argument that the artists had right. while making this movie. So they decided to put that argument in the movie, which I think is brilliant, which makes but, for a great scene. But hold hold before you go any further. I want everyone listening to picture the Sleeping Beauty dress in your head. Picture it right now from everything you remember and that you've seen about that movie. What color is it? Is it pink or is it blue? All right, now you've got that image in your head. Amanda, finish. Okay, so 95% of the time that that dress is shown in the movie, it is blue. Even at the very end of the movie, when she's coming down the stairs and being introduced to her family for the first time since she was taken away as a baby, that fucking dress is blue. <laughs> so somebody needs to explain to me why this goddamn dress is pink in every single product that is out there for sale. And probably the reason I had you pause is probably everyone right now, before you said that, was picturing a pink dress and they're going, no, no, the the dress is totally pink. It is not. And I agree with you. And it's it's bullshit because it's like, oh, girls have to wear pink and yeah, we got to market it. It's got to be a princess pink. It's bullshit. So it's got to be pink. But it is blue in the movie. It ends up blue and it is beautiful. Blue is beautiful. But yeah, that is my honorable mention Blue list. dresses matter. Yes, blue dresses do fucking matter. So th I think that's great. Like I said, um, you know, Great Mouse Detective was one of my honorable mentions. I struggled with that one cause just because I love it so much. Mm -hmm. um, another honorable mention I had was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Love that movie. Just because it's so iconic. This is our first feature, wasn't it? It is the first so rolling feature. Just because of that, because of going from the shorts that they did mm -hmm. into a full-length feature that basically solidified the studio for what it was, I had to have it at least as an honorable mention. Mm -hmm. um, my other one was Frozen. It's not going to be, it's not on my list, but it sort of... I know Tangled really did like solidify the Disney animation studio with a, with a Pixar type computer animation. Mm -hmm. um, but Frozen was such an epic cultural like landmark is that song is permeated everywhere. The voice acting is is spot on. Mm -hmm. The story is really good. Mm -hmm. It actually tells a story that's not based on romance. Like everything about that movie was so, and I'm not going to use this word lightly, but I mean it kind of revolutionary mm -hmm. for what Dis the Disney animation studio could be known for. Cause yeah, I mean, no, I, I definitely agree with that. It's definitely started with Tangled, though. With, yeah, yeah, for you know, sure. Because Rapunzel, you know, if you remember, she saves him in the end, you know, and then but it still wasn't they love actually, story. it was still absolutely a love story. But, you know, and then, um, you know, they actually had the horse, for example, be an actual kind of character 
and 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 play a role in the story and not as like a silly sidekick exactly like he was his own person you yeah. know and and then you have you know frozen that comes out and you you know there is love and everything but it's not the focal point right of what's going on and in the end even though there is love it doesn't even matter right you know it's talking more about the bonds of family yeah than anything else and sisterhood is what yeah is really what it's about sisterhood and, yeah. and faith and i'm excited to see um moana coming out uh, i think that'll be good because too. I, I don't think there's any sort of romantic oh yeah she's not gonna fall in love with the demigod in, like she in, can't no but i mean like there's not even like a side like christoph character right where it's like yeah i mean that's you know a romantic right. option like i think it's just gonna be like a girl power epic story and i love the direction that disney is going yeah in. i think that's good i mean because if we're being honest the Disney Animation Studio, around the time when Pixar was hitting its peak, sort of struggled a little bit. They did. I mean, they Home on the Range. Home on the Range is a good one. Uh, the Princess and the Frog, while not terrible, I like that one. I, I'm not saying it's bad, but what I'm saying is, it is not as good. It's not as their echelon. It's, it's not as not. good as the Golden Age. It's not as good as the Silver Age, and it's not as good as the Classic Age. Mm. It's just, it's just not. Um, and then they had. Uh, Man, what were, they had a few more in between there. Did they think they did Chicken Little? Was yeah, that, done, I didn't like that one. It was them. stupid. Um, but that's the thing is they couldn't really find what their voice needed to be. They yeah. couldn't capture that magic. Like you talked about Jungle Book. They couldn't capture that magic mm-hmm. like they had. They didn't really... They couldn't figure out if they wanted to be like pop culture satire. Mm-hmm. They couldn't figure out if they wanted to be silly. They couldn't figure out if they wanted to try and adapt classical stories. Mm-hmm. And they, they just really didn't know where that was. And Tangled, you mentioned that as like one of the first ones where they sort of found that footing. They're like, okay, this is the type of stuff we can do. And if I'm being honest, I actually enjoy Tangled more than Frozen. Um, you know, uh, internet backlash away. But the reason I mentioned Frozen on my honorable mentions is just because of the impact that it had in truly, I believe, solidifying for the Disney Animation Studio what it was supposed to be doing right and um you know outside of pixar which disney owns but is its own thing you know none no pixar movie will be on this list for me because it's not you know it's not disney animation studio and that's what we're talking about so um you know we've mentioned a lot of good ones i think we should should talk about the top five the best five okay um and i'll start you know as in the normal progression of the show i'll go through my five four three okay you go through your five four three we'll do two and one together and we'll uh go off on any tangents we need to along the way all right um you've actually mentioned my number five and it's the jungle book Mm. so uh, way back in 1967 you know the jungle book for me is the everything that you mentioned is the reason that that it's on my list it was uh, it was a staple for me. I think there was one summer where I literally did watch it every single day at some point in time just because we had it on that old VHS in the big old plastic case. Well, the songs are just so good. And it, Yes. They were fantastic. They were, they were memorable. Mm-hmm. They were they were singable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while the songs in, well, while the music, I should say, in like Sleeping Beauty and Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and, you know, Pinocchio. and well, I mean, Pinocchio had, had some memorable ones. Um, yeah, you know, When You Wish Upon a Star is pretty, right, I mean, it's pr- all right. Pretty memorable. But, <laughs> but that was one of the first ones that had songs mixed throughout in yeah. different styles 
that just latched on to your to your me- brain and your memory. Mm-hmm. I mean, bare necessities is one that just it, it, everybody knows the bare necessities. Yeah, I I liked uh, I want to be like you. I want to be the like King you Louis song is fantastic by Louis Prima. And uh, what a fantastic villain in Shere Khan. Oh, great. I mean, I loved Tigers as a kid, and but to yeah. see one as this intimidating villain mm-hmm. was incredible. And you I wonder know, how Raja feels about him. Uh, probably not. Raja doesn't talk that much. Yeah. So probably, probably intimidated and and jealous of his freedom, but not jealous of his death. Mm, I would fair. say that's fair. Raja's nice living up in a castle. Oh, but did he die? We don't know that he died. I mean, he ran off with fire, like. I mean, he on was, a stick tied to his tied tail, to his sure, tail. but do we know that he's dead? Hey, he, he's not, no body, no death. He was in trouble. Let's just put it that way. No body, no death He is wasn't all living I'm in a palace. All I'm saying is no body, no death. I, I agree with that. He, they, they left it as a cliffhanger, and he's probably coming back. <laughs> he's probably out there right now hunting Mowgli's. He's waiting. Somebody. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, anyway, I was when I was researching the movie, like one of the things that I, that jumped out at me that I thought was really interesting was that at the time of that movie, Gregory Peck, fantastic actor, was the president of the Academy of Motion Pictures mm-hmm. of Arts and Sciences. And he lobbied incredibly hard for this to win Best Picture because yeah. he felt so strongly about it. And this was before they had a Best Animation category. This was back in the day. But he got outvoted because no one else thought that an animated feature was of the same quality mm-hmm. and it made peck so mad that he quit as the president and said listen if you guys aren't going to respect film then i'm out and i think that's such a testament to just the story in general and the quality of that movie and because i love it so much it's just it had to be on my list yeah so that's that's why it's, it's such my number a good five movie. for that such a good movie so uh moving on from my number five to my number four uh, is one where Disney took a bit of a sidestep, and and man, I love them for it. But my number four is Emperor's New Groove. I love that movie so much. It's so funny. I it's think so that, fucking funny. I think that might be the funniest <laughs> Disney movie. It is. It is absolutely the funniest Disney movie. And you know, I love that it was originally supposed to be an epic in yeah. the, in the way of. A Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um, it was going to be called like Kingdom of the Sun or something. Mm-hmm. All the music was being done by Sting, just like all the music got done by Elton John and and Lion King. Um, and it was supposed to be like an Incan Mayan epic. Yeah. And the studio just basically came in and was like, nah. It's like they did some they did some <laughs> tests and they're like, you know what? Nah, make it a buddy comedy, and yeah. they had to rewrite the whole thing at like the last minute. Yeah, John Goodman and uh, uh, David Spade. David Spade, so funny, so funny. I love that movie so much. It it it's so <laughs> it's so great, and I think you know. Oh, and who's Kronk? Who plays Kronk? Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton. He was just the yes. guy I was about to mention. It's your birthday. <laughs> I I've loved Patrick Warburton since the days of Seinfeld when he God. was when he was putty. On Seinfeld, I, I thought he was hilarious. I like pretty much everything that he does because he has just this great, iconic, comedic, strong voice. But him, his portrayal of Krunk is one of the funniest characters Disney has ever put on film. Especially, pretty, the I scene. love his relationship with Yzma. It's <laughs> so Yzma, great. Just blind trust. <laughs> 
He's a good person, <laughs> but he's just blindly trusting this Their evil, codependent relationship this is ridiculous. Person. And I, I still, to this day, the scene that makes me laugh the hardest with him, and it's, it's hard to say because he has so many good ones, but when he's singing his own yeah <laughs> his own uh escape song and and i read that like patrick warburton improvised that whole thing like he just they're like yeah we, we had this idea mm-hmm. he's like i got this mm-hmm. and that's what he came up with and it was so funny and yeah. he's, he's like and there's like arrows pointing down at him he's in like a spot yeah, when he freezes he's just like yeah it's hilarious and the the lovable dumbass is such ah. a great character, but he does it so well. <laughs> and I, to me, I mean, David Spade is is hilarious in it. John Goodman is a is a a, a staunch portrayal. He's a great straight man. Mm-hmm. But Kronk just makes me laugh when he's oh, talking to so the funny. squirrels. Yeah. When he's pretending to be the chef. Yeah. It's just he is so good, he and that's so one. Funny. That's one that. As we mentioned before, I feel it grows with you. Yeah. And that's one that I can literally watch over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And e- there's even some others, like some of their epics and some of their great ones. You know, I'll watch maybe like once every couple of years or I'll hit up every now and then. But that's one I could almost watch every month and never get tired of it. Yeah. Because they took it in such a different direction, but it was still, it still had the heart of Disney, but it was basically a dumb and dumber style buddy comedy. Yeah. And I loved it for that. Oh, it's so great. I and, absolutely 110% agree. And it's that so was good. right around the time where they were like hard finding their footing. That was like early 2000 is mm-hmm. when that was. So that was around the time of Home on the Range, around the time of Princess and the Frog. Like it, it kind I of. I like st- that movie. And, and I'm not discrediting it. Is it on your list? No. Okay, then that's there's and th- Brother Bear. You're forgetting Brother Bear. I am. I am forgetting Brother Bear. Was it in that time was, frame. It's, it's not a terrible movie. Hey, but it is not. Is it on your list? No. Okay, then. But is Brother it, Bear is great. Was it one of your honorable mentions? No. Okay, then. That's what I'm talking. Well, because you told me I couldn't have ten honorable mentions. <laughs> I know, but that's <laughs> the thing is we had to narrow it down from fifty or sixty to five and a few stragglers. All right. So the fact that. Neither of those are anywhere in your top eight mm-hmm. is the point that I'm making. Okay. This one, to me, is in the top five realm mm-hmm. because it's so strong. No, it is. It's great. So that's why it's my number four. All right. Now, after we leave these two, we pretty much get into the top three, which are going to be strong ones. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's... It would be like, oh, well, these are cop-out answers. Everyone's going to pick these. And that's because they're the best. They're they're the top that Disney has ever done, in my opinion. Uh, now, these are my opinions. So number three for me is Beauty and the Beast. That's such a great one. It, and and I, I can actually feel radiating hate coming from your side of the table because it's not higher. And I know how much you like Beauty and the Beast. So uh, it is my number three. It is definitely in the top echelon of movies that Disney has ever done. I mean, it was the first animated feature ever to be nominated for Best Picture. And won, I believe. Uh, It won. I don't think it won. I really don't think it won, but it got nominated. It won won a bunch, but I don't think it won Best Picture. Um, But it was the first animated feature to be nominated Nominated for Best Picture, Which is a huge deal. Basically, it picked up the slack where Jungle Book wasn't able to. Right. It, It picked it up. Um, I mean, 
it was it was fantastic. Uh, the 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 art design on it is still iconic to this day. Mm-hmm. The story is a classic story, but it is it's one that a lot of people weren't exactly familiar with. But the voice cast in it is perfect. Oh, and, so good. And even when you narrow down, like you find out people like big names who were supposed to be in the movie mm-hmm. and weren't, it makes the voice cast that they chose even more special. Like for instance, Julie Andrews was was going to be Miss Potts, Potts, yeah, and then ended up not being able to do it. Um, and they found Murder She Wrote, and <laughs> Murder She Wrote just killed it. Just did so good. Yeah. Um, you know, Donnie Osmond and Patrick Swayze were both considered for Gaston. Um. Rupert Everett actually auditioned for Gaston, but was told he didn't sound arrogant enough, right. which is a weird thing to say to a British person. Right. Um, I mean, so like the voice cast alone is outside of Mrs. Potts and and the guy who was Lumiere. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty much the, the top names in the whole movie. The rest is kind of a lot, not I want to say unknowns, but not, you know, top, top box office draws, mm-hmm. but because they got the right people right. for the right roles. And you want to talk about memorable songs. I mean, the song, you know, the the quintessential song, the nom de plume, uh, Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. song. When they're dancing in the ballroom. Is, is iconic. And it's iconic for a reason because yeah. it's amazing. And that that one definitely stands the test of time because you can watch that nowadays and be like, I had no idea this was like this does not feel like it was made in 1991. Yeah, the quality of that movie feels years ahead of its time. It does, which I think is great. Um, speaking of years ahead of its time, I'm excited for the remake of that one. Yes, I I was so excited when uh, Hermione was chosen, Emma Watson. Yeah, to uh, to play Belle because. She's so small and dainty, and and I and just Belle's I, small and dainty, and she's small and dainty, and I, I think she can, and she's very um, stoic and and mm-hmm. classic the yep. way that you would think Belle exactly should be. Yeah, and, and so I I'm very the whole cast though I could sit here and go through the whole cast. I mean, Ian McGregor that. and Ian Mc, Sir Ian McKellen, yeah, a fantastic just, Josh Gad. I'm so excited, I can't um, stand it. Luke Evans, I think, is going to be a fantastic Gaston. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Luke Evans from the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can never remember his name, but the actor who is playing Beast is uh, I can't remember his name either, but he's from Downton Abbey. That's I knew that's what you would reference. Yeah. For me, he's from The Guest. And yeah. I loved the movie The Guest. The Guest is good. The um, Guest is good. You know, as you know, I'm not a huge fan of Downton Abbey, but I know it's You it's hate big. it. Yeah. You okay. mercilessly ridicule me every time I would watch it. You yeah. That's pretty true. are an absolute prick yeah. about Downton Abbey. Yeah. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Yeah. Um so and I know he's from that, but for me he's from the guest. And yeah. I think he's amazingly intimidating in that movie. So for me, I think he's going to pull off Beast uh, rather well. Yeah, I'm so, excited about so it. So I'm very much looking forward to that one. So that's why it's my number three. It's up there for, mm-hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. So those that's my five, four, three. Um, I'll, I'll run through them again. So five, Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Four, Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. And three, Beauty and the Beast. Great list. So far, I mean, it's 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 top notch. Okay. It's top notch. Okay. But um, I, I do have a sneaking suspicion I'm probably going to be put to shame by yours. Mine. 
So I want to know My what... My list is a little different. I want to... Okay. Well, let's hear it. Let's go through your five, four, and three. All right. Number five, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Good one. That movie does not get the credit that it is due. Why do you think that is? You know, I think it just dealt with with too, too many serious things all at once. You know, it was just... And also when you create a Disney movie that kind of encompasses its story um, around religion. I yeah. mean, it deals with religion. You know, people aren't going to take very kindly uh, to that, I don't think. Religion and gypsies. I mean, well, and discrimination. Yeah. Um, the A corrupt uh, church, a corrupt leader, a, um, you know, and, and then you have... I tell you, you have a gypsy who can sing incredibly I high. I guess you've got mental illness yeah. because, you know, uh, Quasimodo was talking to gargoyles. He was. <laughs> so, Which, you know, but, that's up for debate whether or not they actually had magical powers because mm-hmm. they they make a difference in the battle at the end. Like they Well, you know, maybe in Quasimodo's mind because nobody else ever sees them. Right. But, I mean, even when Quasimodo wasn't around, they were doing stuff to people. Yeah. So... Yeah. The argument can be made. The argument could be made that they were actually real and he was the one sane person in the whole movie. Perhaps. I'll tell you that that gypsy uh, carnival guy at the beginning and the end can sing unbelievably high. It's amazing, that guy's voice. Mm -hmm. uh, Just unbelievable. Yeah. um, The beginning of the movie is so great with that opening song. The carnival. The story. And and just the the whole... um, composition of the music you know you've got the the enriched you know church sound with the bells and the you know like the choir singers and you know just that big music you know and i mean okay and the movie also deals with sex and i'm sure a lot of people didn't appreciate that in a children's movie you know you've got this corrupt leader who wants this gypsy woman you know he has a great song about that and he has yeah hellfire i mean singing in his room and i mean <laughs> he's he sees uh judgment day for him on in that song i mean it's a dark film it, it is. is a dark film you know and it deals with bullying and it deals with i mean it deals with so much and i think it was just too much for people they just didn't they didn't appreciate it now, The Hunchback of Notre Dame mm-hmm. is one of the ones that uh, Dis- Disney's pretty famous for taking those old stories and changing them, changing their endings to make them more family friendly. It definitely now, had a happier ending than the book, yes. Yes, and just like, uh, oh, I forget, uh, oh, Cinderella has a terrible ending that, that in the book, but not in the for movie. For some of the characters, uh, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, how does the book end? Tell Tell us. I'm pretty, you know, it's been so... <laughs> pretty sure, like, everybody I'm dies, I'm pretty right? sure, well, Phoebus actually marries someone else. Um, Esmeralda, I'm pretty sure, gets hung. Yeah, I think everybody uh, I, dies. I'm pretty sure. And then um, Quasimodo um, kills Frollo, I think. I think he shoves him off the top of the, off of one of the towers of the cathedral. And then... Um, once Esmeralda is put to death, I'm pretty sure Quasimodo goes to the graveyard and holds her body 
and he just starves to death holding yeah. her. So then at the end of the story, you've got like this hunched over skeleton cradling another. It's <laughs> just yeah, disturbing. <laughs> yeah. But I think also in the book, Quasimodo is is deaf and dumb. Like he can't speak. Yeah, they, they definitely change it quite a bit. But I mean, you're right. It's a, it's a strong movie. It's a strong I mean, a strong cast like Demi Moore, Jason Alexander, yeah. uh, Chris Klein. I mean, it's a good Tom cast. Hulse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but he, for me, every song in that movie is so good. The opener song where they're telling the story, um, you've got uh, God Help the Outcasts, mm-hmm. sung by Elsmeralda, which, and I'm not even religious, but that song is beautiful right um and you got hellfire which is great you've Probably got the out best. there that which is sung by quasimodo where he's singing about going out into the world and he's just like you know jaunting all over the cathedral and just like flying down these water yeah what are they called buttresses flying buttresses, yeah, buttresses I'm, pretty yeah. sure, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called but i mean just every single song in this movie is so good um yeah, no, I agree. I think it's it, now. I have to be honest. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, Tom Hulse is the is the voice of Quasimodo. Yeah, I always think it's Matthew Broderick, and I know Matthew Broderick's in other Disney movies and not this one. Which one, for, Joe, uh, Jay? He's in, Which he's one? In Lion King. Okay. Um, we weren't specific, so well, I wanted I, to make sure well, you knew what you were talking well, about. I, I have an I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to talk about Lion King, so I didn't want to dive too far into it. But for whatever reason, I always think Tom mm-hmm. Holtz is Matthew Broderick in that movie. And okay. I know that's not. I mean, that's fair. But, but that's I always think that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a good one. I think that's a really good number yeah, five. Yeah, so that's... that's um... Silence is great for podcasts. Sorry, I, I'm <laughs> I'm not used to, to doing this. I apologize. But yeah, no, it's definitely my, my number five. Uh, it did receive an Oscar nomination for Best Music by Alan Menken, uh, one who of my is, personal heroes. Who's a god in the, um, Disney, in the Disney realm. We do not uh, shame the name of Alan Menken in this house. Um, Thank you, And it was actually the last Disney movie to use mildly bad language. Yeah? Yeah. Or was it? Yeah. Okay. I don't remember mildly bad language in that, but probably the word hell. Oh yeah, I mean that's in one of the songs. But then again, you know, growing up in a, in a religious home, you know, I, you hell, know there's definitely damn. there's definitely a difference between hell and damn in a religious context than mm-hmm. hell and damn as curse words. So I think they skirted the line on that one by by using them in context. I mean, so they were probably know. able to slink by. And they're like, don't be too mad. We're using this religious. Like, come on, churches, back us up here. And churches are like, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know I don't if churches know. like that movie or not. I don't know. So that's a good number five. Yeah, that's my number five. All right, my number four, Peter Pan. Nice. I love Peter Pan. It's a good one. It's it's cheery. It's fun. Yeah, it's so great. I just, you know, um, I don't, I don't know how to describe Peter Pan. It's it's one of those quintessential just childhood wonder films it you know just the idea that you know when you're a kid that peter pan could be real and you could fly away to a neverland um was just so great as a kid you know just that idea that that existed um you know and and i love the character of captain hook um he's a good character i always got freaked out with him like stapling his shadow back on or something like 
gluing it or whatever he does. You're talking about Peter Pan? Yeah, when when Peter Pan like nails his shadow back no, onto his feet or something. No. Doesn't he? He doesn't do that? Am I misremembering? No, that? you are misremembering. When he's in Wendy's room, he originally is trying to use it. soap. He's trying to use yeah. soap because he doesn't understand things. And she says, no, he's being silly. So she sews. That's, that's it. Sews it back. I knew there was a sharp sews object it back on. That always freaked me out because I was like, can that happen? No. When I was a kid. Just yeah. until like last year, I thought that could happen. Yeah. Now, okay, but I love uh, the movie that they made, Hook, around say, Peter Pan with Hook. Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams. Yep. That is one of my all-time favorite movies. That is a, a fantastic sequel slash remake slash follow-up slash Dustin Hoffman will forever be the embodiment of Captain Hook. All these other bullshit Peter Pan movies that they've been making the last couple years. Yeah. No. Dustin Hoffman is the motherfucking Hook. He he is. He is Captain Hook. That performance was so good. I I couldn't agree more and I think Garrett Hedlund can suck it. Yeah. When it comes to being Captain Hook. Like yeah. you're you're not. Like I, I agree. And that's one of the things that I like about Peter Pan, um, is that without Peter Pan, there's no hook. Mm-hmm. And we need hook in our lives. Yeah. We we need a little bangerang. Yeah. Everybody needs a little bangerang. A little bangerang. Every, every now and then. No, but I the the animated I, I, I love I love Peter Pan. Yeah. I just, you know, and then at the end with all the fairy dust on the boat when it, or the pirate ship when it's flying them home and, you know, and then they, uh, the kids go home and then the father is like hugging them and, and he looks up into the night sky and he's like, I feel like I've seen that somewhere before. And, and you know, you don't realize as a kid that he is referencing that, that he may have in fact gone to Neverland as a child and right. forgotten. But as an adult, when you watch that movie, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it grows with you. It definitely has those yeah. things of like childhood and innocence, but also that fear of growing up and mm-hmm. that, that fear of the unknown. And Also, let's talk about for just a brief second, Tinkerbell, though, in that movie. She's a sadistic little bitch. She kind of is. Which- she like, you know, like when you're watching it as a child, you're like, oh, this is a funny little character. But when you watch it as an adult, which I did a couple months ago. She's a sadistic little bitch. Like, she's constantly trying to kill Wendy. Constantly. She's slutty as hell. Yeah. I mean. Well, and I think they cast it perfectly with Julia Roberts in <laughs> Hook because she's also a sadistic bitch. Um, it is well documented that on the, on the set of Hook, mm-hmm. her nickname was Tinker Hell because she made Terrible life to work so with. miserable for all the people involved. And you heard it here on High Five Colon the podcast, colon other stuff too. Julia Roberts is a terrible person. Yeah, I, you know. But no, but as she gets a lot of that. I think she just modeled her life in general after Tinkerbell. Probably. I mean, the new Tinkerbell movies that they make now, I mean, they're adorable and I love them. But, but yeah, the Tinkerbell from the original Peter Pan from 1953 is... Whew. Not the innocent, earth-loving no. figure play, no. played by maybe from Not Arrested even a little bit. Not even a little bit. So, All right. That's a good one. All right, number three. Okay. Which a lot of people are going to completely disagree with me on this. <laughs> that it's on your list at all or that it's number three? I think that it's on my list at all. Okay. Uh, Ooh, fuck ex- you. I don't care. I'm excited now. Bambi. Ooh, okay. Sad one. Bambi. Well, yeah. It's very sad. Um, 
but uh bambi um is a or was a very uh it was a passion project in realism if you like go beyond the fact that it was a sad movie where this baby deer lost his mother like right. go beyond that for a second and try to visualize the movie everything about that movie was made to be and look real aside the fact that the animals were talking and the animals had to talk to move the story along aside from the fact that they could talk everything in that movie was real like their characteristics weren't exaggerated all of the backgrounds were drawn to look as real as possible they spent months studying the way water and rain came down on trees so that they could animate it perfectly it was a passion project in realism and walt disney wanted to have something that was animated but was also made to look real i mean and i think that's that's a stunning feat uh i mean uh, you know, little little known fact about Bambi is in order to get the realism right for the end of the movie, they actually burned down a few forests. <laughs> That's not true. Totally true. 100% no, it's not true. true. And actually, um, uh, fun fact, uh, because the villain in the movie is man. Ba- I mean, you know, basically. Man. Uh, but man is ranked number 20 on the American Film Institute's list of 100 greatest villains. Just the word man. The word man. From Bambi. From Bambi. He is one of the top 20 greatest villains. I mean, I can get that, but is it mainly just because they kill Bambi's mom so early in the movie with so little remorse? Because, yeah, they come well, back. that and they burn down the forest. Yeah, they come back at the end, but I, they didn't do it like on purpose, did they? I don't remember the, the end of that movie that well, except for the fire. Well, I think it's basically just a statement about how humanity is ruining nature. Yeah. Fern Gully made that statement. <laughs> Love that movie too. Tim, Tim Curry made that statement in oh. Fern Gully. Okay, so I I know you love Bambi, and I am not going to say that it shouldn't be on your list. My big problem with Bambi mm. is kind of the fact that, as I remember it, mm-hmm. not much happens. What? And and I know that that's not exactly true. Like Bambi's mom bites it in the first couple minutes, but for like. And you and I roll all you want, but that that's the reason for me. And I think it should be on your list because of all the reasons you've mentioned. And those were, those were new concepts to me. I did not know that that was the, the, the impetus behind the creation of that movie. But for me, as I think about that movie, I'm like, yeah. And then there was like snow. Right. And there it was, was some a passion other project in realism because these characters, these animals aren't doing anything fantastical. Right. They're not going on an incredible journey. Right. They're not like out to save somebody like they're they're just living the lives that they would live in the woods. Right. Nothing else. Exactly. Like you, I, and I know like you but that that's the thing as a kid and as a boy kid watching that. That it pulls me out of it, and like I said, for you, for an artist, that is that's what makes it that top tier. Yeah, of talent. it's it's just so beautiful. But but you know, that's I said. As for me, that's what that's why I kept getting pulled out of it was I kept waiting for for the quote unquote the story to start, <laughs> not realizing that the story was just like no, watch nature 
like watch nature as it is. Well, but around and, and, this and one enjoy, character, yeah, Bambi, wa- watch and enjoy that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a, a good movie, and I'm glad that it's on your list. I know how much you like it, but I'm just being honest about why for me it never really hit that because I never looked at it on that level. Mm-hmm. I was never able to dive into it on that level because I kept expecting, I was like, all right, eventually they're gonna have to go somewhere. <laughs> like, eventually they're gonna have to do something, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, they just get older. It's like. Oh, well, damn. Okay, cool, I guess. Well, no, I mean, Bambi's mother dies. He's raised by his father. You know, then he grows up and falls in love with this girl. And and then she's chased by dogs and she almost dies. And he has to fight this other deer and he almost dies. Like, (laughs) there's this death going on in the woods, man. Damn, nature, you scary. Damn, nature, you scary. (laughs) No, I think that's good. I like that one. I like that one a lot. All right. So run back through. No, it's your list. All right, all right, all right. Number five, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yep. And uh, number four, Peter Pan. Number three is Bambi. Good list. You can kiss my ass if you don't agree. <laughs> no, no, I like it. That's a good list. Good list. All right. I retract my statement even though it's all true. Um, so, okay. Now we're to the top two. All right. The top two, the most important two. Top two. Top two. Okay, so for me, my number two mm-hmm. is Lion King. Yeah. I told you we were going to talk about this one. Yeah. I love Lion King. It's pretty great. I, I think it's so great. Not, I mean, like 1994 was right around the age when, you know, I was entering the teenage years and I was ready to see these bigger stories. No way. You were like in the fourth grade. <laughs> no, I was like, I was, I was 10 or 11 entering teenage, entering double digits of, of ages. Mm-hmm. And so I loved this movie because... The music is fantastic. You got Hakuna Matata. You've got. I just can't wait to be just king. Can't wait circle to be of king, life. Circle of be life. Be prepared. Oh, be prepared! Can you My feel goodness. The love tonight? I mean, and Jeremy Irons is so good. And you know, mm-hmm. as a kid, you don't realize that it's this retelling of Hamlet. Right. Uh, but on, on that layer, it's great because Shakespeare wrote some of the best stories that have mm-hmm. ever been in, made in existence. And absolutely. And the art in the movie is just so fantastic. It's um, very bright and colorful. It, I love it. It is, except for you know the scenes that aren't supposed to be, like the be prepared scenes in the very. No, no, end. no. Be prepared is very colorful. Well, it's just green. a very select. Yeah. Greens and reds. I would say the on... end isn't very colorful when well, Pride Rock is decimated by Scar and his his hyena henchmen. Well, yeah, until the fire gets ignited and then right, it's right, very right. red. But I mean, for just the the backstory and the history mm-hmm. of. Of Lion King is incredible. I mean, the fact that the wildebeest scene took three years to animate just because it was so they were they were so specific about getting right. every little thing right, and it was so such an right. intense moment. Um, I, I was reading; I didn't know this until I was reading about it, but it was done by Disney's quote unquote B team. Yeah, because their A team was working on Pocahontas, and mm-hmm. they put all their stock into Pocahontas, and then the B team was like, "Yeah, we're just going to make this a great movie because no one's really paying attention to us." Mm-hmm. And I love that because it it was it was a it's when people think of Disney, when people think of Disney movies, they think of Lion King. Right. I mean, among, I love Pocahontas, but I mean, Lion King kicks ass. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, but this movie is the highest the best-selling home video of all time. To this day, mm-hmm. it's the highest-selling, best home video of all time. Yeah. Because people would buy copies, and they'd wear out copies, and they have to buy more copies, and mm-hmm. everybody had to have Lion King. Yeah. And 
you know, I, I remember reading a story about Elton John because in the original screenings of the movie, they cut out the scene with Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Mm-hmm. And Elton John went to the Disney offices furious and said, no, this is a good song. You have to put this back in. And they re-released it with that song, and it became one of the biggest songs ever for Disney. And it's just the whole story behind that movie. I think you know Jonathan Taylor Thomas is fantastic. I mean, James Earl Jones, oh, my God. You don't get a better voice than James Earl Jones. Pretty great. Um, and Jeremy Irons best villain voice of all time almost in my opinion Uh, especially when it comes to disney movies i think he has the best villain voice of almost anybody it's pretty Um, great i mean it's just it's it's fan it's fantastic so lion king is one again that i can watch over and over and over again and not not feel bad i mean rowan atkinson as zazu uh i was a huge fan of Mr. Bean growing up and you never heard Mr. Bean talk so the fact that he had this animation to him and this life to this toucan character mm-hmm. and you couldn't really even associate it with Mr. Bean because you're like oh I've never heard Mr. Bean talk but it was him and it was just so so good and and you might know this and I'm pretty sure the actress that played Nala Mufasa's wife uh, Sarabi. Sarabi. Isn't that James Earl Jones' wife in real life? I don't, I don't know about real life, but in the movie, um, in the 80s movie with Eddie Murphy coming to America, right. his queen in that movie, is whatever that Sarabi. actress's name is, I can't think of her name right now, but that's who Sarabi okay. is. And that may be what I'm thinking of, is that they were married in another movie. Mm-hmm. But yes, so... So they'd worked together before and just all the little flourishes and touches they put Mm in. And and even in songs like, uh, you know, I Can't Wait to Be King, they they throw in different animation styles Mm -hmm. and it's not realistic. It's not, you know, naturalistic. It has like the bright colors and the and the the triangles and the zigzags. And it's just everything about it is designed to capture you and to pull you in. Yeah. And then the three hyenas with, you know, Cheech and Whoopi, uh, Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. And then, oh man, I don't even remember that, the other guy's name. Um, oh, the guy that did Ed, he was just like one of the designers, I think, because they were trying to get Chong and he dropped out because he didn't want to be in a right. Disney movie. They were wanting to have Cheech and Chong, I think, in there. And, but anyway, it's just, Lion King is one that will always hold a very special place in yeah, my heart. Absolutely. Um, and this was the one that I had the hardest time deciding between because it was between this and another one for my number one spot. And obviously I've chosen the other one. But I went back and forth on Lion King and this other movie for about a day. <laughs> and I switched <laughs> them probably three or four different times. So with that lead in, my number one, and in my opinion, mm-hmm. the best Disney movie of all time okay. is Aladdin. That's a good choice. I, I And I could argue with anybody all day long mm-hmm. about this, but I don't think you get a better story as a whole that has the a, a structure, the way that it's written, the way that it's paced, the song choices, the voice acting. I mean, hell, one word. Robin Williams yeah makes that film even though it led to him having a falling out with Disney for decades you know that his portrayal of the genie in that movie is brilliant brilliant and you can find clips online that he ad-libbed for hours 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 worth of tape 
and you can just hear it and you can watch it and they just had to animate random bits of it because it fit in so well but even the rest of the cast and you're not even picking out huge names but i mean the guy who played uh was eric in full house or something is uh no not eric what's the boyfriend the boyfriend's name. dj's boyfriend um Ah, I can't remember his oh, name. God damn it! Now it's gonna bother me. What's his name? I don't know. Damn it! But anyway, he's you know the voice Steve. of Steve. Steve. <laughs> Steve from Full House is Aladdin, and I think he does so perfect. He does. Um, he's got a good voice. You know, and okay, going back to Robin Williams, one of the things that I think is funny is it was supposed to be nominated for best adapted screenplay for the Oscars uh-huh. because it's adapted from you know Thousand Arabian Nights or whatever. Yeah. But it was not allowed to be nominated because Robin Williams ad-libbed so many of his lines uh-huh. that it broke the percentage barrier of what it had to be to be considered an adapted screenplay. Because he was so far off base <laughs> on, on what he did. Oh, no. Which, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I think that that's great. Um, speaking of improvisation with Robin Williams, that first scene, you know, Robin Williams, Robin Williams is the voice of the peddler. At the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. the guy with the table. Uh, I think originally they were going to like come back <laughs> around at the end and show that that was the genie in disguise telling you the story. Yeah. But it's Robin Williams' voice. But the way that they filmed that was they literally brought Robin Williams into a soundstage. Mm-hmm. And they had a table covered with a sheet. And they said, just, just whatever. Ad lib for 20 minutes. And they threw back the sheet and he just picked up things, random objects they had around the <laughs> studio from the table. <laughs> and the whole opening scene is completely ad-libbed by Robin Williams. <laughs> the part where he says, remember... Uh, it won't break. It won't break. Oops, it broke. <laughs> it broke. <laughs> Makes his julienne fries. All of that. 100% ad-libbed. The original Dead Sea Depoware. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, still good. All of it. All of it was ad-libbed so by Robin Williams just for that scene. And mm-hmm. that, to me is what makes it so genius and so iconic. Yeah. And, you know, I, again, for, for everyone who doesn't know, that movie led to a gigantic falling out between Robin Williams and the Disney studio because part of his contract was that he did not want, basically he didn't want top billing and he didn't want the genie used to promote the film. And because he was so good in it, Disney basically breached his contract and did it anyway. And so he would not come back for Return of Jafar, and he came back for um, King of Thieves, the third one, basically because they bought him like a Persian rug or something as an apology. But it took them over 10 years to have him accept their apology because he was so upset that his silly side character took away from the focus of the story they were telling because of their marketing. And one that makes me really respect Robin Williams as as a performer, as an actor. He just wants to make people smile. He always just wanted to make people happy and to love mm-hmm. him, but he never wanted to take away from the message of what the, the artists were trying to do. Right. And he felt like they were using him to overshadow the work that everyone else had done. Well, I mean, and I can definitely get on the same page as him because, I mean, if you really think about it, even though... Robin Williams' character of the genie is such an iconic part of that movie. He's not in it that much. He's really not. I mean, he's I mean, a side character. He is definitely a side character. I mean, um, you know, I, I have some small 
preschool students that that I work with on a weekly basis, and we and we do movie days, and yeah. we watched Aladdin, and um, it was the first time I had watched it in, in quite a long time, and I was like, man, it's taken a long time to get to the Cave of Wonders, to get to the genie, you know, I mean. Aladdin is, you know, doing his stuff in town and Jasmine's getting pissed off about having to get married and, you know, and then they have their little meetup and then, you know, they're running again and Jafar's making evil plans with a sadistic bird. I mean, there's all this shit that's going on in the beginning before you even meet Genie. Right. You know, I mean. And, and Jafar, I mean, you mentioned him. What a great villain. He's a great villain. Patrick Stewart was supposed to be his voice, but he dropped out. <laughs> well, no, I don't think Patrick Stewart would have done that character I don't justice. Think it could have been evil enough. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I like the Jafar that we have. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And Iago. And, oh, <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried as Iago is is hysterical. Um, I mean, and that's the thing. They had two huge comedians in yeah. that movie, and they paired well together. Mm-hmm. I thought they, they went really well. Uh, another story about Robin Williams I've read about that movie is... Uh, Robin Williams and Steven Spielberg were friends because of Hook. We mm-hmm. talked about that earlier. Steven Spielberg was filming Schindler's List at the same time that Lion King was being done. And Schindler's List was such a dour, sad movie that Steven Spielberg would regularly, about once a week, call Robin Williams to make have him cheer him up. And Steven Spielberg would put Robin Williams on speakerphone and Robin Williams would perform for the cast of Schindler's List via speakerphone just to cheer everybody up because they were telling such a sad story. Well, yeah, my God. Anybody, yeah. anybody out there that's watched Schindler's List, you fucking know. That movie will take you down a few notches. It will, but I think that's so hilarious that Steven, like that Spielberg yeah. had such faith in Robin Williams. He's like, I just need to smile. And Robin's I just like, really I got need you, you to He's make like, me I got laugh you, right now. And uh, a lot of the material, like the jokes that he would ad lib on the phone, he ended up recording for the movie. So some of those are in there. So, so next time you're watching Aladdin, know that a lot of some of the genie's jokes were used to to cheer up saddened Jews. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I miss that's, Robin Williams. I think we all miss Robin. I, there's, I just can't. I, I was so sad when that. I don't even. Want to I talk cried about that it. day. I don't even want to talk about it. That was just. That was just uh, sad. I mean. You and I, in honor of Robin Williams, did like I think a week's worth of Robin Williams movies. Yeah. Every night for about seven or eight days, we watched one of his older films, and I think it was, uh, it it was definitely definitely worth it, and the least we could have done. I mean, it was just trying to remember a, a single human being being that brought so much joy to the world, and you know, honestly, that's part of why Aladdin is so high on my list is just because what he did was so impressive and so beautiful. And then even outside of that, I mean, the songs, um, I mean, the street rat song, the, you know, the genies song, a whole new world. world. I mean, these are songs that not only are memorable, but you, you, you listen to and you remember the lyrics and you can sing along. And I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. Prince Ali. um, Mm -hmm. And, Again, Alan Menken, uh, some classics by Alan Menken at the top of his game, in my opinion. So that, for me, is why it ended up in the number one spot is just because of all those different factors combined coming together. Yeah, I think it actually, all said and done, creates something in my mind that's just a little bit more special than Lion King. I think it kind of set the stage for Lion King. It was two years before it. It sort of set the stage for that type of funny musical 
with an emotional center to be told the right way. Right. And and I just don't think they've ever topped it, in my opinion. Mm. So that's why it's my number one. So. Okay. All right, so I'll go through my five. Number okay. five, The Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Number four, Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. Number three, Beauty and the Beast. Number two, Lion King. And number one, Aladdin. Okay. So that's it. That's my number five. Those, those are my top five. Those are great. You still have two more to go through. I do. Uh, so let's my, do it. My number two um, is Cinderella. Nice. I love that movie. Now um, you do. And uh, I, I know that it's, you know, very kind of anti-feminist, you know, with the whole... Or a lot of people think it's anti-feminist, you know, with the whole, you know, relying on a prince and, you know, marrying someone you just met and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, it's just, it's so great. I used to, um, when I was a child, you know, when uh, movies were still on VHS, um, <laughs> VHS is ah, such an old the term. good old days. Uh, uh, I used to uh, open the box and sit in it because I believed that that would make me a princess it does i I believed that that that's how that was supposed to work (laughs) pretty sure that's scientifically (laughs) accurate um but i just you know i loved cinderella i just i loved um her character and uh uh the live action remake uh did not do a good job it was really shitty it was poorly done i would just prefer we not talk um, That's, that didn't exist much just that didn't yeah. happen um but um i mean yeah the, 1950 uh three oscar nominations and uh 90 of the film was recorded with uh live action reference so mm. you've got you know this entire movie where every person's um uh, stance walk hand motion uh the ballroom scene where they're dancing it's all animated over live action um and uh walt disney uh pioneered the idea of harmonies for a song really uh, it was it was a new thing in huh. 1950 uh working with harmonies like self harmonizing was a new thing um the song Sing Sweet Nightingale, when she's mopping the floor, you know, it's multiple layers of her voice harmonizing with herself. That had never been done before. Interesting. That had never been done before. I, did, I never realized that. Yeah, music man. <laughs> learn something. <laughs> yeah, okay. I did. I did learn something um, today. Thank you. And Cinderella actually saved the Walt Disney Company. I they do remember they were about that. um they were losing everything. Uh, their studio was going bankrupt. Uh, their last couple of movies were not doing well. Um, they just were not making it. And this was their last effort to rekindle the the people's love for them. And they did it. Because Cinderella not only um, saved the Walt Disney Company, but it just re-sparked that love for what Walt Disney and the animators can do. Well, and wasn't the um I think I learned this from you actually, but the soundtrack didn't it go on to become like the number one selling soundtrack? And it's one got of the num- number one, one of the number one best selling soundtracks of that, that like whole that year, year that it came yeah. out. Yeah. Um, so not only did the movie do well, but they made a crap ton of money just from the soundtrack alone. They did. They did. Um, 
it just it, it did so much and you know and uh, it was one of walt disney's favorite films uh the scene where cinderella's dress gets turned into the beautiful ball gown is was until the day he died his favorite piece of animation and it really is quite beautiful when you watch that scene where the fairy godmother comes and then she's turning the pumpkin into the coach bibbidi bobbidi boops you know yeah and just watching the the animation where you know where you're watching it and you have to tell yourself somebody drew this you know a team of people drew this and made it look so beautiful yet so fluid and they just they really brought this fairy tale to life right and they did it so well and and i love that cinderella wasn't exactly like snow white where she was just this meek little girl that just kind of went along with whatever the fuck was happening in that moment or you know she wasn't uh aurora from sleeping beauty she wasn't just you know unconscious unconscious some unconscious kind of you know spoiled brat who wants things to go her way yeah she had dreams of a better life well because her life was really fucked up she had a stepmother that hated her she had two stepsisters that were the center of attention that were ugly as fuck they, and they, were, awful. they were horrible winches. you know i mean yeah i may not necessarily agree with cinderella's dreams and aspirations but god damn it she did the right thing oh yeah you know, she stayed with her house that she grew up in she made sure that shit was taken care of she worked hard every day and she was sassy you go back and watch that movie she was sassy she was she had a, she had a good streak to her and i think i do think disney made a mistake on this one because in the original story um the movie ends with the two stepsisters getting their eyes eaten out by crows in the and book I, yeah. and i really think that's what should have happened drizella <laughs> and whatever her name is anastasia and anastasia they're terrible well but they also like cut their feet to try to make the shoe fit yeah they cut off their toes and well sh- one of them cuts off their toes and the other one cuts off their heel or something yeah like, that should have been in the Disney film for kids, <laughs> for sure. Like, what other body parts could they have cut off to try and fit into those dresses and fit into those shoes? I, I mean, that's the thing. You cut off your toes and you put it in a glass slipper, it's going to get messy. Yeah. Like, it's glass. You can see right see through it. it. Yeah. It's not, it's like, oh, look, your shoe, your foot, like, totally fit. You did this botched surgery right, right. now. Like, you know what they say? People in glass shoes should not cut off their toes. They say that. That's the thing. <laughs> That's a thing that people say. No, it's not. And it's, but yeah, I really think they should have left that in, especially the eye gouging part with the with the crows. Mm-hmm. That'd have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, they're just kind of sad. Yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, back to good things. Uh, the the scene <laughs> where um where her little mice and bird friends are making her dress. Good. I love that scene. That's just so great. It's and then two seconds later, it's torn to it's torn asunder, torn to bits by it's these t- by these w- terrible women who should have had their eyes eaten out by crows. Yeah, I mean they're yeah. just ultimate bullies, man. And it's just they are. Yeah, I'm in power. But yeah, that is definitely my number two. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. Two. I think a lot of people would agree with you that it should be high up on the list. I didn't include it in mine, but but you know I'm a guy, and so <laughs> you know. All right, well, my number one, uh-huh. I don't think will surprise you. Uh-huh. Uh, my number one is Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I kind of anticipated that. It's just, it's my favorite. I know. It's my favorite, um, and that's never going to change. Um, I mean, I've talked a lot about it because it was number three on my list, but I mean, f- 
feel free add anything that I haven't talked about. Like, why is it number one for you? Like, why is it so high up there? You know, I just I remember going to see it in the theater when I was a little girl. Um, my uncle took me to see this movie, and um, I just I remember watching this this movie in the theater and just being in awe. Uh, of so many things the ballroom scene um I remember you know at that age you know we didn't really have characters like the beast you know so he was kind of a new character in my entire world and and I was fascinated by him and Belle who was again much kind of like Cinderella was a new kind of princess she wasn't a princess to begin with you know, but she was very headstrong and independent and knew what she wanted. She's and, a book reader. You know, she liked books. Yeah. And she loved her father. And, um, you know, she did not care for Gaston or his advances. You know, she just was like, nope. you know, Belle, don't play that shit. I don't Every, give a fuck all about the you. Other, all the other whores in town are swooning over yeah. his muscles. But, but not her. You know, I mean, it's just she was such a role model for me um i mean i i was not very into dolls as a child but i have and or had and still have a bell barbie doll because nice. i needed to have her i mean beating the beast was just so epic i mean just this you know the idea of this castle not just being a castle but it being enchanted and you've got these objects that talk you know and you already as a child want the objects in your room or your toys much like toy story to come to life and, and talk to you and um you know and and bell gets to experience a world where her ob- where the objects are talking to you right and, and have that magic and um lumiere is funny and his relationship with cogsworth is hilarious jerry orbach and uh yeah that's who it was i was trying to think of his name earlier mm-hmm. it's jerry orbach yeah. So continue, but that's that's who Lumiere um, is. Although you know, I I have because I watched this movie recently wh- when I was putting this list together, and um, I did have a moment though where I judged Belle super harshly, and oh, I, yeah? I, as an adult watching okay. this movie, well, because you know, um, she she stays there, you know, to save her father. Right. You know, she she gives up her her life to save her father, and so Beast sends her father back to town, and he goes back to get Belle. And, you know, he's like, let me show you to your room. And she's like, I don't understand. I thought I was supposed to stay here. And he's like, well, you, you want to stay here? She's like, no. And he's like, all right, well, let's go. You know, so he's trying to be nice to her from the he very is. beginning, despite the situation, you know, and he leads her to this room. And he specifically says, he specifically says, you can do whatever you want. This is your home. Go anywhere you want. Do whatever the fuck you want. Just don't go in my room. That's all I'm saying. It's just don't go in my just, room. I got dirty you undies know? in there. I've got <clears throat> some porn, some like really furry, some furry porn in there. I that just, bitch is not there 24 hours. Literally, it's the first night. I noticed that because we watched it She's not even there 24 hours. It's the first And she night. goes in his room. And not only does she go in this man's room or this beast's room, she starts touching stuff. Okay. And, and to that point, you have just met. Like a nine foot tall beast monster that can talk. Yeah. And wears clothes. Yeah. Sort of like it's like a, and were- a cape. Like He's a wearing a were- cape. 
<laughs> yeah, see, he is wearing, yeah, for whatever reason. I mean, I, I, that's just what royalty he's a do. Cape. And yeah, he's a cape. He's, on. he's a werewolf for all intents and purposes. He's a werewolf. And literally, right. if a werewolf is like, hey, I'm hanging on by a thread to not murder you, you can do whatever you want, but just not this one thing. I'm not going to do that I'm one thing. I'm not doing that one thing. <laughs> I'm not going to do that thing. Ever. Literally not the first. But like, yeah, she maybe goes. Maybe after I get to know him and I feel like, okay, he's yeah. totally lying about that one right. thing. But the first day, right. no way in hell. Right. Like, So she goes in his room, starts touching his shit. And then gets, wants to be upset about the fact that he's pissed. Yeah, he has a right to be pissed. I'm like, and, he okay. told you not to so, go in there. So she runs away. Yeah. Okay. And and again, I'm finding fault in my own number one movie here. No, but no, I don't care. I still love this movie. So she runs away and she's going through the woods, right? She's running away on her horse. And she gets stopped because she's cornered by wolves. Yeah, lots of wolves. Okay. The Beast follows her saves her say in the cape cape but and all somehow that's why he's wearing a cape because he's a superhero in this situation he is laying there on the snow passed out but the very next thing you see is him laying over the horse and her leading this horse back there is no fucking way that she picked that guy up dude's easily 500 pounds and listen Belle is a svelte woman. <laughs> There's but no she's way. She's not powerless. There's no way. Five hundred pounds, a dead. Yeah, beast no, meat. that's bullshit. She's and then not, okay, let's go even further. She's not thrusting that up on a horse. Let's keep going. Okay. Next morning, they're ta- they're eating breakfast together, and he's eating out of this bowl like an animal. Right, because he is. But let's remember, he's a person. Okay, right. he's just transformed into a beast. Why is he eating like an animal? That he I can, knows how to use silverware. Well, that I can defend because he was turned into a beast when he was, what, like 12? 10. Okay, I think 10. He's 10 or 11 10. Is, is supposed he's to be the age. He's been alone and cursed as it, a beast for like Because he'll be that way until he's tw- the the rose will stay um, until his 21st birthday. But in the movie, they say they've been that way for 10 years. So he has been living alone as an animal after being turned into an animal at the age of 10. And also, let's keep in mind that everything in the house is enchanted. So you you put a spoon into hot soup, and you put it towards your beast mouth, that spoon's screaming at you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> You're going to stop using spoons eventually. I can tell you that for damn sure. All right. If I put a spoon into hot soup and it screams at me, yeah. I'm not using that spoon I mean, again. I wouldn't use that spoon either. Okay, but I have a question. Yeah. And I don't really, it's not necessarily a question for you, but it's a question for the listeners or even Disney. Anybody at Disney. Anybody, everybody tweeted us if you know you the know, answer to this. You work there, you worked on this movie. You know, I don't, somebody needs to answer this question. Was the beast the only one that aged and everyone else was suspended in time? Because where the fuck did Chip come from? That's true. That kid cannot be more th- than a four, what, four than, five. Than, I mean, I would go as far as seven. But there's no way he's older than seven. And they've been that way for ten, ten years. Okay, so I guess I guess we have to think it's either everyone is suspended in time. Or some cups are fucking. Some cups are fucking. <laughs> That's what's probably happening. Like, you hear, like, uh, the little armoires shaking at night. Because at like, the end of the movie. When the cupboards are rocking, don't come and knock well, because, because the, the cups end, are fucking. The end of the movie, he says, do I still have to sleep in the cupboard? So, 
I have to imagine that that's the only place he's ever slept. Yeah. And that's all he knows. Yeah. So did a teapot give birth to a teacup? Totally did. I have questions, Disney, to- and I need totally you <laughs> to answer well, them. Well, the last time we were watching the movie, I had to ask you, because especially, you know, let's get back to positive aspects of the movie before I ask another weird question. <laughs> but, okay, so the Be Our Guest song. Yeah. One of the best songs I love that, that, song. that Disney has done. There are a lot of enchanted things yes. in that in that scene. Yes. The question I posed to you the last time we watched it was, did everyone that works in the castle get transformed into a thing or did all the things also become alive? Because if it's the first thing, there were about 8,000 servants in that castle. I, th- I think it's a both. I think the people that lived there became an object, but I also think a lot of the objects became enchanted. Okay. So That would make more sense and what I would hope would be the answer. Because yeah. if not, there are a lot of just really unhappy like spoon people that are just hanging around mm-hmm. and you know it's like some some guy becomes a clock that can waddle around and actually has a face and some other dude becomes a spoon you gotta be upset yeah so anyway i hate to be the toilet seat guy <laughs> <laughs> The, the butler just becomes like a plunger and he's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like Lumiere's like controlling fire and he's yeah. like going head down first in mm-hmm. the toilet for the monster. I mean, this dude is a beast. Mm-hmm. He lays some epic pipe. I'm sure. So when he's pooping, mm-hmm. you're using a plunger afterwards. Mm-hmm. Plungy is upset. <laughs> Plungy is upset. He is set. up. Se- I, I'd probably be like some fancy French name. It was like Lumiere and Cogsworth. So it would be like suction air yeah or plungy. Did you know they wanted tim curry to be in this movie i would have loved tim curry to be in this but movie. i think and i don't remember the specifics of it but either his character that they had created or he was supposed to be mrs potts guest on maybe oh. um or something i don't know but it, been just, Lefeu. it Lefeu. Just, just didn't work out for him but he is actually a character in a follow-up movie that they made um Beauty and the Beast, like it's 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 a Christmas movie. It's like Bell's yeah. Enchanted Christmas or yeah, something like that. that. Um, he's in that one. Was he? He was, is was in. He playing that he's one? in that one. He is the evil um, uh, organ. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, um, that is right. Yeah, he's the evil organ, and that's actually a really. You know what? I mean, they don't make a lot of uh, good little follow-up movies. Disney, that was a direct not, to not DVD very good at those. It was it was a direct to VHS, but, but um, it was decent. It was good. It was a good little in between um, segment of the story. I agree. I mean, like I said, I th- we've made a lot of fun of it, but we've also talked a lot of good things about it. I think you know it's worthy because. I mean, it was number three on my list. Uh, I knew that it was going to be number one on yours. I just love I that think movie so much. I think it's a solid choice. Um, so run back through your five. All right. My f- top five again. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, Peter Pan, number four. Number three, Bambi. Number two, Cinderella. And number one, Beauty and the Beast. That is that is a strong list. And you've I made, think so. You've made v- some valid arguments along the way for for why for why they were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah, 
so I think that's it. I I have had a lot of fun talking Disney with you. Oh, I've had um, so much fun. You know, next week uh, Q will be back from his skydiving lessons with penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, flightless no more, as it's called, <laughs> and uh, and so we'll be back in the the regular rhythm of things. But uh, like I said, when when I knew that that we're gonna have to do a Qless episode, there was nobody I wanted to talk Disney more with than. Than, than you, A, so I'm glad you were able oh, to join you. us. Oh, I can't wait to come back for another episode. Oh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll totally, I'll, I'll, I'll make that happen. Now, this was a lot of fun. So, um, you know, for everybody out there listening, uh, please email us your top five Disney movies. If you agree with our choices, disagree, shoot us an email at my five at high five the podcast.com. Yeah, I or, dare you to tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, I dare you to as well. Um, tread lightly is all I have to say. <laughs> um, or, you know, shoot us a note on Facebook. It's, facebook.com slash high five the podcast or you can find us on twitter at high the number five the podcast and we're also on instagram if you are so inclined um other than that i hope you have a fantastic week and we are probably going to go watch some cartoons i think so yeah um so i think i think that's that's kind of it that's it so you know when you wish upon a star and stuff Mm mm-hmm Cool. Cool. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.